I didn't want discipline. Like I wanted to be an entrepreneur so I could do what I want when I wanted, like forget everybody else. Like, and this may be the biggest secret of entrepreneurship, but turns out that's not how it works. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Larry Roberts back with another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. I'm here today with my guest, Tom Gaddis. He is a tremendous entrepreneur. He is also the host of a show called, Hey, What's the Secret? And that's what we're going to dig into today. We're going to try to figure out exactly what the secret is to his success. You know, we're sitting here in Texas. He's chilling over in Maui. He's living in Hawaii. So, I mean, he's got all the answers. He lives at the Cat Daddy spot. He is the entrepreneur. He has all the answers, and he has the secret, and he's going to share it with us right about now. Tom Gaddis, welcome to the show. Hey, aloha, man. Larry, thanks for having me on. I am super excited to be here. Aloha. Can I say that as, as being a, what, what, what do they call me? A, 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 a hallow, a hallie, hallie? What, what? A hallie, yes, you can. You can say that. I can say it and not get in trouble. I mean, because. Yes, yes. Yeah, you can say that and not get in trouble. <laughs> I know fisticuffs are pretty common out there in Hawaii. The the native Hawaiians, they like to scrap. Yeah, well, you know, I hear that. I've never, you know, we moved here in 2010 from Oklahoma, and I've never, I haven't noticed it any different than it was in Oklahoma, honestly. Like, Maui's a really small, well, you're in Texas, right? You know how when you're in Oklahoma, Texas, those smaller towns, the, the country boys like to get up and rile it up? It's it's just very similar to that. So when I got here, I was like, oh, this is just like freaking being in Oklahoma. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is hilarious because, you know, I'm a huge fight fan. I mean, I, I was a karate guy for years and years and years, and I might have been in the ring a few times as well. And, you know, BJ Penn, he's like a god in Hawaii when it comes to the fight game. And so is Max Holloway right now. Max Holloway is one of the top dogs in the uh, lightweight division of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and he's from Hawaii as well. And their whole thing, man, it's just scrap. So it makes you think that if you're going to go to Hawaii, you, you got to be able to scrap. And so maybe it's a little bit of a misnomer, but <laughs> it, it is a little. I mean, it's a you know, like here, it's you know, because it's a smaller community, right? Because it's a small town feel. It's it's all that kind of stuff, like. The other things I think are similar is like the the people love riding horses here. There's, you know, there's an area called upcountry. So it's very country living. People have chickens. They do their own eggs. You know, the, the most popular car that people love, especially guys love to drive here are the trucks with the monster wheels and get them all elevated. Like, I mean, very, very similar, very similar to Oklahoma and Texas. Man, that, that just sounds like home to me. That sounds like home. I fit right in. Yeah. When we moved here, I told my wife, she's like, well, what do you think of Maui? She's like, are you going to get Island fever? I was like, honestly, like, I love it here. Like, doesn't it seem, I mean, the view, now don't get me wrong. The view is a lot better, right? Like the view and the, just the general surroundings, but very, very similar you know, very, very good small town feel. It's a great, been a great place for us to raise our daughters. Like, it's really nice to not have that pressure of worrying about, you know, where they're at, what they're doing, especially when they were little. Right. No, that's, how did you end up in Hawaii? Is your wife from Hawaii or? She is not. So actually, it's interesting how I ended up here because I was a restaurant manager, right? And I was, at the time I was working for, I'd worked for Olive Garden. I was working for Logan's Roadhouse. We were living in Oklahoma City. I was trying to make this entrepreneur thing work on the side. And uh, this is around when like the secret came out, you know, and everybody was all big on the secret. And so I like, I had made this vision board and it was like, it was hanging in my uh, bedroom. And 
my wife had actually lived on Maui before, even though she's from Oklahoma. So she finished her last two years of high school here and she wanted to visit. She wanted to go back and visit Maui. So on my vision board, I had these pictures of Hawaii. I had this, I think it was like a Chrysler 300 car. Cause I had a really crummy car, this Chrysler 300 car. And I had this uh, fake check I had made that was written out for a hundred thousand dollars. And it's a funny story. One time these guys came to fix the cable and they walked in the bedroom and they saw that board with that check. And the guy turns to my wife and he's like, Hey, you should tell your husband to cash that check. <laughs> and I was like, she, when I got home from work, she told me the story. I was like, man, so I had this vision board anyway. So we're living in Oklahoma and her mom decides to move back to Maui. She flies over to help her get situated. She comes back. She's like, man, you would love it there. We need to go visit. We really need to go. And I said, Hey, you know what? Like, our daughter has a year before she, our little daughter had a year before she started school. It's like, let's just move there. Like if we, if we don't like it, we'll just move back. Like I'm, I have lived in several different places. So like just moving didn't bother me. So we decided to just sell everything and go. And it's really interesting how it all worked out because about two days after we decided to move, there was a restaurant here. My plan was I'm going to leave the restaurant business. I'm going to start my own business in, in Hawaii and two days later, like after we decided to move, my wife came to me and she's like, Tom, you know, it's kind of expensive there. Like you might want to have a job when we get there to get situated. And she's like, I saw that the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, they're looking for a manager. So I was like, oh, all right, maybe she has a point. So I applied, I did all this interview stuff from Oklahoma and they were like, look, when you land in Maui, come in for your final interview. We can't officially tell you you're hired, but you're hired. So like we landed on July 4th, I did my interview at Bubba Gump's on July 6th and I started work at that location on July 8th. Wow. It's a super busy Bubba Gump's. It does about nine and a half million a year, right? So I'm there wow. working and I'm miserable. And then about eight months in, they fire me. <laughs> oh my God. And so I'm like, well, what do I do now? You know, so I started collecting unemployment and I was trying to, you know, I had tried to, to make money online and not really, I mean, I, I had one little site that made about a hundred bucks a month, but I was never really able to get any traction with it. And someone had told me like, Hey Tom, you know, you know, a lot about SEO, about building websites, businesses can use help with that. Why don't you just get them as clients? And uh, I thought, well, I give it a shot. And it turns out like getting clients was a lot easier than building an affiliate website. And the money was pretty much instant, right? Like when you have a service, it's like somebody wants a service, man, they just cut you a check. Like there's no waiting or anything like that. So I thought, well, this is what I'll do all since I got fired. I don't want to go back to work. So I'll just start trying to get clients. And so I'm trying to get clients. Nothing's working. The unemployment place sends me a letter. They're like, look, dude, you got two weeks left and we're cutting you off. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to get a job. What am I going to do? So I came across this thing a guy did where he, he created this jumbo postcard and he sold ad spaces on each side and then he would print it and mail it out, right? I was broke at the time. So I was just trying to find something that I didn't need to spend a lot of money on. Right. And I was able to go down to Office Max and create a mock-up of this postcard for like 30 bucks and I had it laminated and I just started walking into businesses and I was like, look, I'm going to make this card. I'm going to mail it out. I want to sell you an ad spot. It's 500 bucks. 
And within seven days, I had sold all 16 ad spots. Wow. And so I used the money, like after I sold the first two spots, I hired a designer and then I started having the designer do the ads. And then when I collected all the money, I paid to have them printed and I used that money to send them out here at the local post office through, it's a program the post office has called Every Door Direct Mail. So at the end of seven days, I had no connections when I started. Now I had 16 businesses that gave me money and I was like, this is it, I'm in business, right? So then I proceeded to just about drive that business in the ground because I like to say I'm an entrepreneur, but I really didn't know how to do it, <laughs> right? Okay, okay. What would you say right out of the gate? What would you say is your, was your biggest mistake? There were two things. One, not focusing enough on sales. Okay. I didn't focus enough on sales. And number two is cash flow management. Like I was terrible at terrible, terrible at my cash flow management and and just showing up consistently. Like I had this thing where I would get all fired up and I could work really hard for, you know, a week, two weeks, but then I would start, you know, the beach looks more inviting, doing like just a lot of procrastination, right? No really set, no, I, did, I wasn't disciplined enough. And it's funny for me to say that because I used to think discipline was like a dirty word, you know? Like I didn't want discipline. Like I wanted to be an entrepreneur so I could do what I want, when I wanted, like forget everybody else. Like nobody's gonna tell me what to do. And I don't know this, and this may be the biggest secret of all of entrepreneurship, but turns out that's not how it works. i don't know if i like this i don't know if i like this tom you know i told you in the green room before we hit record that i've been at this entrepreneur gig for about a month now after 21 years in corporate america at the same company so this is all new and i'm thinking the same thing you know i'm thinking you know i was able to walk away i don't ever have to talk to that dude again nobody's gonna tell me what to do i can work these hours i'm never gonna be on call again in my life it's so awesome and now but this last month has been filled almost morning noon and night with just getting it just getting after it and it does not stop and my wife she actually asked me the other day she goes dude what are you what are you working on now you know because i'm always working on something she goes you work more now than you ever, ever did having a career. Well, having a corporate career, let's put it that way. I have a career now. Don't say that, Larry. But <laughs> but no, it's seriously, it's a ton more work. But the thing is, man, for me personally, and I don't know if you can attest to this as well, it doesn't feel like work. That's exactly it. It is, it is oftentimes a lot more work, especially in the beginning, right? The, the payoff comes or what I have seen as the payoff is as you progress and momentum builds and you start to do more and more and you're kind of out, like, you know, when you first start a business, there's that struggle of like, I got to pay the bills. Like, I just need to, I need to pay the bills. And, you know, there's, I always tell people like the way I did it is not the way I recommend anybody else do it because like, I literally would be like on Monday, okay, what bills are due at the end of this week. And then I would go out and try to find the money. And that's super stressful, right? Especially when you have a wife and kids. And, uh, you know, luckily I was fortunate enough to be able to get some momentum and, and keep moving forward, but that's not for everybody, right? And so I think it's good for a lot of people to, to do it on the side as they kind of get their toes wet, right? But anyway, it was like, yeah, that it's true. You like, you work a lot more, especially in the beginning. 
but it does feel different. And you do have more control over when you work and the things you can do. And then as you kind of progress along, you start to realize like, oh, once the kind of money thing is more taking care of itself, then that's really when you have the freedom and the the ability to kind of do what you want to do. Right. And, you know, I've, I've really just discovered that freedom isn't, it's not so much just being able to do what you want when you want it. It's being able to have the resources and the ability to do the stuff you want to do. Maybe not necessarily right then. Like I couldn't just take today off and decide, ah, let's fly somewhere and hang out, but I could make plans to do that and actually make it happen. And it wouldn't really be a stressful situation. Right. And that, and that's, that's really kind of where the payoff comes. That's why you put all that work and that stuff in like you're doing now, you do that now. So you can have that kind of freedom and ability to do those things later. Well, believe me when I say I've been, I've been doing it long before I stepped out. You know, it's funny though, COVID when it hit back in March, I thought for sure I was, I just thought, man, this is the end of it. I'm not going to be able to step out for at least another year, probably two. It's probably going to set us back. But things ended up actually being just the opposite. COVID hit and it changed the landscape tremendously and it provided opportunities that wouldn't have been there otherwise. How has that impacted your business? Have you seen the ability to pivot or the opportunities to pivot during this crisis or did it have a a real negative impact on you and your business? No, actually we've had our biggest year ever last year. And there, there are a couple things that I think are good points to know about that. One is like, like you're very fortunate that you are already working in an industry that that event of COVID really it elevated the podcast industry, the, the stay at home thing, right? Sure did. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of like diversification. Like when I, when I was doing my agency, like once I got traction and was rolling with my agency, my next thought was like, okay, well, what if something happens and I can't get clients anymore? Like I'm toast, right? Like, so how can I take what I'm already doing and find another way to monetize that? And for me, that was, okay, well, I know how to get clients and I'm having success with that. And I know there's other people out there that would like to know how to get clients. So, well, I could put a course out and show them how I did this jumbo postcard thing, right? So, that was actually the first course I created. And I started, I released that. And then I started putting out other courses, teaching on how to get clients. And I got a business partner along the way. His name's Nick Ponte. He's the co-founder with me over at Offline Sharks. We each have our own agencies, but we just started growing Offline Sharks like on the side, right? Like building this community, putting out products. And now Offline Sharks is like a huge business. It's way bigger than either of our agencies, right? Tell me more about that. What is, what is Offline Sharks? Yeah, so we 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 help freelancers, digital agency owners. We give them all the tools, the processes they need to to be successful, right? We teach a lot of client getting strategies. Like when you're trying to grow an agency, the biggest thing, right, is getting clients. Like how do I get clients? How do I get my foot in the door? So we have a lot of courses that are various foot in the door strategies and things that we've tried in our agencies that have been successful. And then we put a course together around them. We teach them. We started a Facebook group. We started building a community there. We have an awesome community of people that are, you know, that are doing this, that are, you know, they're either freelancers or they own their own agencies. A lot of people that came into us and were doing nothing. And now they're, you know, they're doing over six figures in their own agencies. And so it's just sort of kind of mushroomed as this place where if you, if you need to know about that, like we're, 
a great place to go to learn about it, right? And the other part of that too, is we only teach stuff that we're actually doing in our own agencies. And that's really hard to come by. Like a lot of people out there teaching things, like they're the, they're the teaching you how to make money by teaching you how to make money. And that's not us. Like we show people like, look, this is what we're doing. Our agencies, like we just pull the curtain back and that's what we teach. And people love that stuff and it's valuable. Right. So that's what we do. You know, you know why people love it. And I, I love, I love the fact that that's what you're doing. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize for that. I just, I want to capitalize on that because there are so few people out there that actually do what you're doing. There's a, there's a ton of people that say, they do what you're doing and they create courses and they create digital content. But to pull back the curtains and actually truly show what you're doing, that's a rare occurrence because so many times people want, it's how to make money as an entrepreneur on how to make money being an entrepreneur. It's, it's all such high level concepts that they're selling that they're very, very difficult to apply. And if you're showing practical application of the techniques that you're using, I commend you. And I think that is a tremendous service that you're providing. Yeah, well, it it is awesome. And it resonates well with our audience, right? Just the authenticity of what we're doing and what we do. You know, one of the things that I talk about a lot on the What's the Secret podcast is, you know, I, I originally had this idea in my head that if you wanted to do what I'm doing, you had to be an expert. Like that was what you needed to be. It turns out people relate and resonate more when you're not an expert. When they look at you and they go, like, this guy's just like me. He's trying to do it. This woman's just like me. She's trying to do it. She may be one or two steps ahead of me. And so they want to they wanna be a part of that, right? Like, it's actually right. better if you're not the, quote, guru. It's better when you're just you know, you're doing what it is they want to do and you're just a little ahead and showing them what you're doing. Right. And so we've had a lot of a lot of success with that approach. And it really takes the pressure off because you don't have to try to be something you're not right. Like you just show people what you're doing. Like this is what we're doing. And, you know, now we're kind of starting to talk a little bit more about how we've grown offline sharks and, and, and stuff like that, which is, you know, a whole nother a whole nother business, right? Like a whole nother way we can bring value to people like, Hey, look, if you want to build a community, we know these things work. These are the things we've done. No. And, and, and again, I think that's tremendous to, to take that approach. I take a similar approach in that I like to teach by my failures. I'll be the first one to go, yeah, I tried this and I made a massive mistake and here's why it was a mistake. And here's what I learned from it. You may not know this, Tom, if you if you hadn't followed me close over the last few months, but I changed brands. I changed podcasts even. I launched One Big Win as my new podcast, and I quit promoting content like a month before I launched the new show. But I'll tell you what, even after launching the show, two months later, so now it's been three months since I had published anything to Readily Random, right? Publishing all kinds of killer content on One Big Win. Had a lot of guys come out of the woodwork, give me their time, and gift me with their knowledge for episodes of this launch. Readily Random continued to stomp the living shit, and I may mute that, I don't know, out of, out of one big win. It was terrible. I mean, it was, it was great, but at the same time, it was terrible because I'm sitting here going, what happened? I quit publishing content, and today it's still doing 10 times the exposure, the engagement that this brand new brand with all these big names that are helping me launch. And I, and I know why I learned from the mistakes and now I won't make those mistakes again, but I like to tell these stories of the ways that I failed because it shows too, that while I'm in this position to be an entrepreneur and I'm in this position because I've learned how to do it over the last five, six years, 
I still make mistakes. I'm not the guru. I'm not the cat daddy. I want to be, but at the same time, you can still come to me and go, hey, Larry, I made this mistake, and you're not going to be afraid to tell me that. You're not going to be ashamed to tell me that because there's a humanizing factor there. And, and, and just like you said, people like to, to work with someone that's maybe one or two steps ahead of where they're at. And, and on the flip side of that, certain people are afraid to make the plunge or, or take that step because they don't consider themselves the expert. I kind of look at it as if I know a little bit more than this person to this person, I'm kind of an expert. So the knowledge that I have is beneficial to that individual. And it, it goes both ways. It's interesting that to be able to teach from the mistake perspective, but also at the same time, deliver that message of, hey, you don't have to be at the top of the pile to be able to contribute value. Yeah, absolutely not. In fact, you know, one of my favorite sayings is never let failure go to your head. And I always joke with people. I was like, my mom always tells me, Tom, never let failure go to your head. And the reason I say that is because as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to not only fail fast, but pivot and quickly move forward when that stuff kind of happens. You know, when we were talking about what COVID did to our businesses, like it definitely was scary at first, especially with our agencies. Cause we were like, Oh my God, with the lockdowns, like go, you know, and the restaurants closing and restaurants were a lot of our clients. And, but like, luckily for us, we had this, we had offline sharks to, that was back there that we could fall back on to keep things going while we figured it out. And having offline sharks allowed us to really be able to focus without having to worry about the revenue coming into the agencies. We were able to quickly figure out a way to pivot those agencies. And we rolled out something that really was like, it worked even better in the pandemic. And then we were able to turn around and share that with the people in offline sharks and be like, look, this is what we're doing. And now we got to see those people take that same strategies, ideas, do them in their areas. And it worked there too. Right. So they, everybody was able to get better and continue to bring in clients and move forward and stuff. And uh, yeah, but it, it definitely, you know, it definitely impacted the agencies more so like than in different ways. Right. Like the agency's clients were pausing, they were canceling, like it was scary offline sharks. It was like, all of a sudden we had 600 people on our Facebook live right? Because they had nowhere else to go, right? So they're like, we did a Facebook Live every Friday and like we were doing webinars and like all of a sudden like webinar attendance was through the roof because people were at home, right? All of our trainings and stuff. And so it impacted both businesses separately and we had to kind of adjust in different ways, but we were able to pivot with both businesses and keep them going. So, and now the agencies, I mean, they're doing even better because of the pivot, right? Because of what happened, we're, we're able to deliver more value, help people in a better way than even what we were doing before. Do you think that we're going to see a shift back uh, anytime? I mean, I know I, I just read an article this afternoon and they're always preaching some kind of doom and gloom about the next phase of COVID and COVID's coming in like a, like a, a level five hurricane is the next phase. We're never going to recover. Do you think we're ever going to recover from this? And if so, do you think that we'll ever go back to a, a similar scenario that we had beforehand? Or do you think that we're going to see more and more growth or at least more stability in the online marketplace? Well, I mean, I think eventually we will probably get back to some semblance of normalcy before all of this stuff happened, right? I don't know how long down the road that's gonna be. I do think some of the changes that have happened are here to stay. Like, you know, if, you know, COVID has done, I think a number of things for a lot of people. One, if they weren't already sketchy about their job being security, 
they definitely are convinced now that it's not really secure, right? So, you know, I think more and more people desperately want to do what we're doing, right? They don't, they want to have their own thing. They want to not be beholden to somebody else for their income. So, I, I, you know, the other side of it is the technology angle. I think there's so many, you know, hopping on a Zoom call, like I know before COVID, it was like getting a root canal like before COVID to try to get a client on a Zoom call because how do they work it and what do they download? And like, and now it's like, everybody knows how to do it. Like it's life. Yeah, it's just part of life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody, your grandparents know how to, I mean, everybody knows. So there's lots of positive things about that that I think will stick around that will make them not so unusual, you know, moving forward. But I think like anything, entrepreneurs and business owners are going to have to continue to to look at what's going on and adjust accordingly, right? Like, I mean, when COVID first hit, we were literally having team, like we were having a team meeting every day at Offline Sharks and in the agencies to discuss what's different, how can we adjust to this? What is it we can still do? What can't we do? Do we see a solution? Like, is there something we're missing here? Like, what is everybody not talking about? What's a way we could help that maybe we haven't thought about? And we found there were there were a lot of things that that people talked about pre-COVID, like having an email list, right? Having a contact form on your website, all these things that all of a sudden now were more important than ever. And I think businesses, if they're smart, they're going to continue to implement those things and grow them because if something like this were to ever happen again, you don't want to be, it's like, you know, fool me once, great. But if this happens again, you should be prepared. Like as a business owner, you should be prepared. You just used a term that is kind of the bane of my existence. And <laughs> it's just it's just a personal opinion. It's, it's a terrible personal opinion. And I don't know if anybody else out there agrees with me. But you mentioned the email list. And, and this is something that, man, Olair just can't, cannot justify the time and energy of creating. So help me, help me, please understand. I know the value. You you have a locked in audience where you can you can you can shoot off emails and newsletters and offers and and this and that. But I mean, who wants that spam? It's just spam. Why do I want to build a spam list? Maybe I should. When I say things like email and stuff like that, like I think what's really the most valuable thing to build is an audience, and I don't really care how you do that right? Like, however you want to build an audience, that's what you should do. Now, when we're talking about local businesses and mom and pop kind of things, they're probably not going to, I mean, some of them could, if they wanted to put in the time, build an audience, right? But most of them are not willing to do that kind of stuff. So for them, you know, when I say email list, probably what I'm talking about there is like, they need to have a list of their customers and be able to reach out to them via email for, things they have going, right? When you're talking about the online business side of things, I think the most important thing is an audience, whether you do that via an email list, a podcast, a blog. And there's no, you know, one thing I've learned is there's no one right way to do it. It's only the way that you will do it. Like that's more important. Like it's not so much the platform you pick, it's will you actually do it, right? Like, and if you're well, and I'm, I'm trying to make myself, I'm trying to make myself adopt that mentality of where I will do it. But it seems, you know, when you start doing the email list, now you have to have funnels and then from funnels, you have to have 
responses and there's different i want to take advantage of this opportunity it just seems like there's so much to it am i overcomplicating it no i mean there is a lot to it because when you have the list you got to communicate with them right you got to be willing to sit down and write the emails and do all that stuff and you know that like anything that's a long-term strategy like that's not something you can just do one week and not do the next week and like you just you know you have to yeah consistency you have to be consistent with it right but i think like look so at Offline Sharks, we do a lot of stuff, right? Like we have an email list, like we launch products, we have an email list, we do webinars, we have a monthly membership, we do live trainings, like we have a Facebook live show we do. My business partner has a YouTube channel, I have a podcast. We didn't just, we didn't start Offline Sharks doing all those things. All of those things came as we were growing and getting better and better. So there will come a point, Larry, where it will just make sense for you to have an email list because you'll go you know, I got this big audience, like I need to be able to communicate with them. But probably at that point, you may be able to bring somebody on your team to help you with that. And it's not something you may have to do yourself, right? And that's okay. And that's that's exactly where I'm at, man. That's exactly where I'm at. I'll do it if I get somebody to do it for me. I, I mean, I, I, and I'll pay them. That's fine. I'll pay them. That's cool. But it's just, for me personally, it's a, it's, it just seems it's not your thing, right? Like some people, some people, it's just, it's just not your thing. I'm not trying to shit all over it either by any means. I know it works. Okay. I'm going to step that. I'm going to step back and go, I know it works. Okay. So I'm not going to anybody listening right now. I'm not saying don't do an email list. It's an approach that works. I'm giving you a little, little feedback here because I'm trying to make myself know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I need to invest the time into doing this thing, whether I want to or not. I need to, to, to plant these seeds of growth. I need to plant these seeds because they're going to lead to that passive income and that mailbox money and, and kind of just, just that nice little cushion in there that, uh, shoot, for some people, it's more than a cushion. For some people, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It changes everything for them, and I understand that. But I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of a hard time because I personally, maybe I'm lazy. I don't know. Maybe I'm lazy. <laughs> Hey, it's just, it's just not, it's not your jam. It's not your thing, right? Like there are some people that like love doing what, like I love doing webinars, man. I love doing webinars. I like, I like putting them together. I like writing them, structuring them. I enjoy presenting them. You know, not my, my business partner. He hates doing them. Like, it's like, he's like, oh, it's like pulling teeth when he has to do one. Cause he's good at them. Like he's gotten really good at them, but it just, it's not his thing, right? Like some people love to write. Some people love to make videos, you know, like some people like to podcast. Like, and again, I think the important part, if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out what to do is do whatever you're going to continue to do. It's like, I first heard that in the fitness space, right? Cause somebody said, what's the best diet? The best diet is the one you'll follow, right? What's the best workout program? It's the one you'll actually do it. Like that's the first part, like just find one you'll actually do, find something you'll actually do consistently because as you grow that and you do that thing consistently, you will start to expand out into other stuff. And especially if you start getting traction and you'll get better, you'll figure things out, like, and all that other stuff can come later. You don't have to do it all at once. I'm hearing that conversation a lot in Clubhouse. I don't know if you've, you've jumped on Clubhouse as of yet, but I, I'm almost addicted. I don't know, I'm not gonna say I'm addicted yet, but I'm getting close. But that conversation comes up all the time. What's the best thing to do for a podcast? What's the best way to get listeners? What's the best way for the best, 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 best? And I'm saying the same thing to those folks. There is no best way. There is no predetermined what's the best length for a podcast. I don't know. 
How long does it take for you to provide value? And how long is it that you'll commit to that podcast each and every week to stand up, to, to step up and be consistent with it? So I, I can appreciate where you're coming from from there as well. You know, when we were were talking earlier about what's the secret and and my podcast being named, what's the secret? Like the reason I named it, what's the secret is because there's this line in death of a salesman. Now, you know, that play death of a salesman, Willie Loman. So Willie Loman, he can't sell it. He can't get any traction in his, I think, I can't remember who it is. Somebody related to him is really successful and all Willie, all Willie Loman can ask his, I think it's his brother maybe is like, what's the secret Ben? He says that what's the secret Ben? And like, there's no secret, right? Like you just have to, you just have to do the thing and you have to get good at the fundamentals and you got to start at the bottom and work your way up. Like there's no, there's no secret that's just going to insert you right at the top. Like it just, it just doesn't work that way. Right. And so, you know, I named the podcast, what's the secret for that? Like, there's really no secret. It's like, you got to learn the fundamentals for me being an entrepreneur has been a, a process of becoming like I've had to become a different person. And as I've gone through the journey, like first it was just, okay, I'm just going to start taking action. Cause I wasn't doing that before. I'm just going to take consistent action. Then it was oh, well, I should probably, I probably need a good morning routine. And then I need some time, you know, some productivity management in there. I need to get better at scheduling stuff out. And like all that stuff has came, has come as part of the process. And I've had to work at getting better at each of those things to be able to get to the point where I'm at today. Like I didn't just, I, I just wasn't one of those guys that was just sprung forth as a, you know, a super entrepreneur. Like I've had to make, sometimes people like, I'll, you know, you tell them something about running a business and they're like, man, that's so smart. You know? And you're like, well, you know why that's smart? Because I made that mistake, right? Like I made every man, like, how did you get so smart? Because I made every mistake you could make. And like, I, when I made them, I said, I'm not going to make that one again. And if you were to ever look at our checklist for a product launch, you'd be like, oh my God, it must've taken you forever to come up with that checklist. Like, how'd you think of all this stuff? It's like everything on that checklist is a mistake we made at some point. And we were like, we don't want to make it again. Add it to the checklist. Yeah, it's, it's, man, that is so perfect because people don't get that. They think that you just have this intuitive knowledge of how to make things happen. And they're afraid that they're going to do the same thing and make mistakes and they don't want to make the mistakes. So they're asking you for the guidance, but guess what? You have to make, somebody has to make the mistakes. And, you know, I'm not too proud to say that, you know, I'm the one that makes them. <laughs> so a bit more of, and this is probably a mistake. Me not having an email list is probably a huge mistake. You will make more money with it, but like, Hey, you'll get there. You'll get there. Like you'll get there. And then here's what always happens to me. When I finally do the thing, I go, why did I wait so long to do this? <laughs> God, I know I hate myself so much for that. Cause I know we're going to talk a year from now, Tom. And what's going to happen is you're going to go, Hey man, how's that email list going? I'll be like, dude, it is crushing it. It is so awesome. I'm so glad I got this. This thing is awesome. I know it's going to happen. I know it is, but I'm going to resist. I'm going to resist right out of the gate. So. <laughs> yeah. And Sometimes you just do that, right? Sometimes you just resist until you're ready. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm ready to do this thing. Now I've done that for a lot with productivity and what I'm willing to, 
you know, what I'm willing to do with my responsibility and stuff like that. Like, you know, I put a lot more scheduled time in than I used to. And back then I just wasn't ready to do it. I just couldn't do it. Right. Like I had to get to that point. There's a great quote. I was trying to find it, but I couldn't find it. You know, you know, Jim Collins, the good to great guy. He's got this little booklet. It's like called the flywheel. And there's a great quote in there. That's like, it's something like there's no one defining moment. There's no system. There's basically like there's no secret. He's like starting a business. It's like pushing a gigantic flywheel. It takes effort and time, but as you turn it and turn it, it slowly picks up momentum until you can't, you couldn't stop it if you wanted to. Like you were talking about earlier with readily random, like you can't stop that if you want to, because you've pushed the flywheel on that thing to a point where it's going, it's got momentum on its own. Right. And you know, that has kind of been my experience in business and how I've, you know, grow, grown up the things we have has been that way. Super hard in the beginning, feels like you're never going to get anywhere. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you're like, wow, we got something pretty big here. Yeah, well, like I think we just got the answer to the secret, honestly. I think that's what we got. So, Tom, in order to wrap things up, man, uh, tell us where people can find out more about you. What is your website? Where can they find your course? Where can they listen to What's the Secret? Yeah, well, you can just head over to TomGaddis.com. I publish all the episodes there. And that's mainly where I talk about like how we're growing offline sharks, how we're doing the whole online marketing thing, uh, the whole business building thing there. If you're a freelancer, if you're an agency owner and you're interested in that kind of thing, then you just head over to OfflineSharks.com. You can see all our courses and stuff that we have there as well. And yeah, Larry, man, this was awesome. Very cool, man. I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate you putting up with my nonsense about the email list. No, you know, I was just playing and I'm just giving you a heart. Just, just having a nice little convo. I know they work and I know I'm going to have to break it down, but I appreciate you reinforcing that. And just once again, telling me, Larry, you're making a mistake. You're doing it, brother. And then you can rub it in my face in a year. So no, I appreciate it so much, Tom. It's been a pleasure. I had a lot of fun tonight and uh, hopefully you did too. So thank you so much. Yeah, I did. I had a blast. Aloha, man. Stay safe. Cool deal. Take care.